2, 5, and 10. Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Ladies and gentlemen, the long-awaited return of 2, 5, and 10. He is finally back. They let him back into the country, which I still don't believe actually happened. Benny, what up, baby? I know my passport wasn't revoked. I was actually a little worried going through immigration at JFK that I would get there. They would scan it into the system and then it'd be like, please wait over here. We need to talk to you. I'd be like, ah, shit. All right, something finally popped up. (laughs) Sir, other line. Yeah. (laughs) But no, good to be back. It's gone for three months. Uh, In some ways it flew by. some ways it uh, felt like three months. Um, but a lot has happened since the end of October around the league. Obviously, we're not going to hit on all those things. Um, but, no, it's good to be back in the same time zone. We don't have to worry about trying to match up our schedules to record. Uh, basically, it would have been a reverse of what we had when I was in San Francisco. I would be the one staying up like ridiculously late just to get an episode in. So uh, this was the only alternative was to wait until I was back stateside, at least for a little bit, before I move on again. Yeah, but before at least, I mean, even if you're an hour ahead of me or an hour behind me, that's very doable. But this, yeah, the seven hours was a little, it was a little much. I got to be honest. Seven hours ahead, yeah. If we record in normal time, because you know you have the kiddies and dinner, and you got to put them to bed and everything else. So normal time for us is eight Eastern time. So we would have been recording my time like two a.m. till three, and homeboy ain't pulling that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just wasn't gonna work accordingly. That's all. But, yeah, so, I mean, nice to see that uh, you guys I, – I made it two weeks into the regular season before I left, was gone for three months, and you guys still haven't hit 10 losses, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> I, I was going to say, and now I, I had talked to Big Kev previously about this, and he's like, get rid of him. Like, when they call that he's back, don't say anything. He's like, he's gone. <laughs> he doesn't want to record because the Bruins are doing so good. You know, it's just time time to just – the ship has sailed. And I was like, I don't know, Kev. He's going to be angry, and you won't like him when he's angry, you know? <laughs> I'll remember that next time Big Kev gets into something when he's visiting New York at an Irish pub. Like, ooh, Big Kev, that name doesn't ring a bell. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. Big Kev at the NYPD Section 303 Borough 5. No idea. Never met him. Hey, going to have to go to Rikers and deal with all the hazardous conditions that are going on. The hazardous conditions. <laughs> But, no, I mean, Bruins have been fucking kicking ass. Um, you know, we were on a fence. I think we kind of left it where we both had them as a playoff team, but we both said either they're going to really take off this year with the return of Krejci if that year off helped them. We obviously were big fans of the goaltending. Like, but it, like they could either go really big or they're going to – kind of sputter around 500 all season. And obviously they went plan A. Well, thank God that they were listening. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think, like you said, the Krejci thing was the biggest because when he did go over to the Czech league, I mean, he didn't blow anybody out of the water. Like you didn't know what you were getting back, basically a point of game player over there. And then you come back and we had the injuries at the beginning of this year. Grizz is out, McAvoy's out, Marshan's out. And it's like, are we going to get anybody to step up? And I think the biggest question marks were finally answered, at least on our end of 
depth scoring. I mean, yep. we had guys putting pucks in net. Um, Nick Felino comes on and finally has a strong season for us here, a great campaign. And, you know, in the off season for what he had given to us previously, I was kind of like, ship him out of here. I, d- I don't want anything to do with him. But yeah, one of the best hot mic moments of the season, too. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, he comes in and, and from what all the people were saying was he actually finally had a summer where he could train. He wasn't rehabbing an injury. And he came, mm-hmm. comes in a different player. Uh, just some of our, I mean, I didn't know what to expect from Zaka, and he's already on, you know, 40 plus points here just quietly. And he's not even one of the guys where you're like, you got to watch out for him. You're like, no, he's just quietly just keeping the pace. And it, it's just nice to see where in previous years when, you know, that martian bergeron and pasternak line where they weren't clicking we weren't going yeah and just the fact that it's now coming from different places at least makes it a little reassuring that i don't want to say playoffs we're still very far away from that but playoff time we could hopefully get it from other places as well and that's the thing too so the one benefit of the time difference was each morning I would wake up and I would have about eight hours of personal time before, you know, my teammates and my office basically came online. So I would wake up that morning, grab some coffee and then watch the Rangers game for the night before or the Bruins game for the night before and other, other teams here and there. And just the overall depth that you guys have, like, the Rangers have played you guys. Uh, the second matchup, we fared better. I thought we played well for two periods with you guys, but you pulled away in a third. But, like, that's the point you're touched on. We can shut down the Bergeron line, and now that the kind of the quote-unquote wealth is spread out a little bit more, it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not a one-trick pony of, you know, t- shut down Marshy, shut down Bergeron and Pasta, and you got – real good chance of coming over with a W. Now it's, okay, you got to stop whole top nine. Like, I know Coyle's a punching bag for you and the fans in Boston, but as far as a 3C, is he overpaid for a 3C? Yeah, but that ship is sailed. You're, you're paying him, but you're paying him. And as a 3C, he's probably one of the best in the league this year. And your fourth line is back to kind of the effectiveness that you guys had when you were in, making the Stanley like a final run. So, I don't know, it's a tough out, especially like the Zaka deal. I think I saw him in preseason when the Bruins came to the Garden, and it was he was on the line with Krejci, and I texted, it's like, Zaka and Krejci look real good together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys are just rolling along here. Monty being back in the league, having a second chance. His style is noticeably different. I don't know, because you see it day in and day out, and you read the reports and everything, but as a quote-unquote outsider – the difference in tempo between Monty's system and Cassidy's system was pretty noticeable for me. Oh, big time. Big time. Yeah. So I, I like that he opens it up a little bit more. I like that he doesn't just keep the one line together. Although the alternative that he doesn't do is what Gallant does in New York, where every game is four new lines. And if it, they don't score two goals in the first 10 minutes of the first period, he breaks up all four lines and makes up a new set of lines. Yeah. So that's, that's the, yeah, that's the opposite end of the extreme there. But 
Uh, the other thing I want to say is good thing they didn't listen to us and trade Allmark in the offseason, huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I knew in general, you know, what you get from Linus just yeah. getting in and day out. But on the other end, it's like he has been something else this year. Like Swayman has been just, I, I don't want to say riding the pine, but it's just been one of those things where Linus day in and day out is just, consistent that there's been no flaws currently in the game and just taking a bull by the horns i know it was kind of 1a 1b last year and i figured yeah it may have started to go with an adjustment but i mean it's like a 920 save percent it's it's just every night he just shows up and he locks it down and there doesn't seem to be any worry between either of them when you know they're switching over it's like wow Wow, and they're pretty tight, so you, I'm sure you never really had to worry about this happening. But everybody anointed Swayman as the "quote unquote" number one franchise guy entering the season, just because homegrown, his draft status, and to be kind of the backup goaltender just because of the play of Olmark, he could have easily pouted and become a distraction like someone else who uh, <coughs> plays in Colorado. Um, but you know, you saw the relationship they had last year too. So it's not a surprise that that didn't happen, but I don't know. Like Omar's still pretty young. signed pretty cheap. Like, do you think there's a instance of if you guys want to make a big time move at the deadline or in the off season, especially if like Bergeron hangs them up and you want to keep that window open, kind of gives you the flexibility to either sell high on Omar or make a move or a young franchise goaltender to a team that might be looking for one. Yeah, it, it's funny because, like you said, so we have Linus under contract for 23-24 and 24-25, and Swayman at the end of this year becomes an RFA. So on the other yeah. end, like, it, you could almost see them going the other way and trying to push Sway out the door. At least you have two years of you know stability already locked in so it's like yep. i am just i'm intrigued as to where the future can go here and and all that it's just it's very interesting to see how the uh bruins play this out and it's not like old uh swayman hasn't been playing well he has i think what nine one six save percentage like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not that it's just like i don't know it's I did predict. I didn't. I say at the beginning of the year, I thought they would be the. Oh my God! What, what's the uh, when the goalies split the the best goaltending tandem? The Jennings. Yes. I, I said. I said. I believe they would win the Jennings this year. I, I didn't think I was too crazy, but it, yeah. I mean, two point three four save percentage. I'm sorry, goals against nine one four save percentage. Uh, pretty good year for Sway too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Pretty much talking about anybody in the Bruins, you can end the sentence with pretty good year. <laughs> yeah, so so far so good. Um, yeah, so we're we're kind of going to just bounce around all over the place here. But are there any concerns? Because deadline is now less than a month away. I think what's it, March third? Yep. Um, are you looking to make any additions, or are you kind of just let's keep what we have going here? Let's not mess with any of the mojo. We don't really need anything, maybe except for a seven or eight D in case of a playoff injury. That that's all I was thinking. A, a seven eight D. I mean, 
I heard there was rumors of Luke Shen being out there. I mean, I, I wouldn't mm. mind adding him to the mix on the back end if we need a little uh, meat for the playoffs. But outside of that, I mean, maybe a veteran depth move. I mean, maybe a Nick Benino if, if we need to go down to that fourth line there just to have stability. But outside of that, yeah, I, I don't see anything massive happening here. Uh, obviously injuries are always a concern you know DeBrusque is starting to skate again so he, he's almost back which is reassuring yeah and then you, you go from there and once is everyone's back and healthy it's like how long does it stay that way and if it does stay that way uh where do we end up so just curious to see and I mean just looking at playoff standings as well I mean Right now in that Metro, we'd be playing probably Pittsburgh on the other end. So, we yeah, it's not an easy uh, first round matchup. <laughs> not an easy first round matchup. Yeah, exactly. So, we will uh, we'll see how the standings end up in the end. But yeah, I don't think anyone that we draw on the other side is going to be easy or a cakewalk by any means. Yeah, that's the thing. So, at the All Star game, they were talking. I think it was. Uh, Gordon Murphy mm-hmm. was talking. He say like, talk of the All Star Weekend among the players was how they want to go back to the one eight format and not like the top three from each division and then two wild cards. They just want two division winners, one two, and then the rest of the six are just based on points, uh, like the old way until I think it was oh four or right after the yeah four lockout. So I, I'm just pulling up the standings here to see. If it was 1-8, well, yeah, you guys would still play Pittsburgh in the first round, but Buffalo would have a much better shot of making a playoffs there. <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, that, that's my only thing. I mean, the, the playoff format in general, I always like 1-8 through eight better, but I yeah. hated that number three that was always coming out of that awful the fucking South division. East. Yeah, like, th- th- that was always bullshit, that they wouldn't even have qualified for the playoffs if it wasn't for that spot and on top of it they have home ice advantage i think if you're gonna do it one through eight completely i don't care about division leaders on one or the other like hey if one division sucks too bad but like we're not gonna give them number two standing because they're a division winner fucking yeah the nba had that issue and then their compromise was because they have three divisions in each conference still was the Third worst division winner gets bumped to the four seed if the f- first non-division winner has a better record. Yeah, and I'd be fine with that. I have no problem with that. I just, I just used to hate it. It would be like Carolina or Washington. The Atlanta Thrashers. <laughs> yeah, with like just like you're like they got seventy two points. Everybody else is in the nineties. Like, yeah, and so. If we did the one through eight, uh, the matchups are just so, like it's not that they would be completely different. It's just the matchups that line up this way are much better to, for me in my mind. Boston, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington, Toronto, the Rangers, and then a Devils versus Tampa. I'd like that Devils versus Tampa one. I know, like how exciting would that one be? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so kind of a tangent that they were talking about wanting to go back to one through eight, and then they were also saying they want to have a 
division focused schedule because the Rangers and Islanders only play three times this year and they played all three games already. They won't play each other the rest of the year. And they were talking about wanting to have each team play uh, each team in their division six times a year with a guarantee that one of those six is in the last month of the season. Oh, that wouldn't be bad. I mean, as long as everyone still played everyone else home and away once and then yeah. everything else stayed within the division, I'd be fine with that. I just remember, what, was it like 06 where it was basically you were playing like, you know, say we drew San Jose, we wouldn't even get them at home for like another two years the way that the schedule was working at that point. It was just a little oh, yeah. crazy. A little crazy to me the way it used to be. I think you're playing everyone in your division. Like, it was like the AHL. You'd play them like 16 times. So it was fucking crazy. And it was to travel. That was a compromise, too. That's why Detroit moved back to the east. Mm-hmm. But also you had teams like Vancouver complaining because, like, we have to go from here all the way to Dallas for a game, and then we fly back to California, and then we have to go back to Chicago. And, like, the travel there was ridiculous. I mean, um, the league in general can be better with travel. I feel like, at least with us lately, our West Coast swings have been a lot better. Or, you know, they'll shoot us up the West Coast. Maybe we play San Jose, but then we'll ship upwards. And then it's Seattle, Vancouver, Cal- like on the way back to at least make it a, a lot more w- worthwhile. Where before it used to be. Yeah, it was just kind of like, we're really going all the way here for one game and then back. Like, come on. I kind of like the... Uh... They floated that format where you would play three games in a row against the same team on a road. Oh, the old baseball. Yeah, so the Rangers would go to Vancouver and stay in Vancouver for four days, and they would play three games in four nights, have a travel day, then go to San Jose, play three games in four nights, like do all that, so they're not just bouncing around day after day after day. And plus it would help kind of spice up the uh, interconference matchups where you could be playing – the Rangers versus Sharks doesn't really get the juices flowing, but just like in a playoffs, something happens in game one, the other team's going to come back in game two, and by game three, you hate each other. Yeah, well, hey, I mean, at this point now where they came out the other day and they said U.S. viewership of hockey is down 22%. Yep. Well, hey, I, I mean, you need something to spice it up. That's ridiculous, man. They get on ESPN, they get on TNT, and – The only time I have seen Connor McDavid in a a commercial was during NHL broadcasts. We're already fans if we're watching. We don't need to see a commercial with Connor McDavid. He needs to be on during SportsCenter, and he needs to be on NBA on TNT and random shows on the USA Network being advertised, not during the NHL All-Star Game and during the ESPN Showcase. In the other problem to me is cable in itself has become outrageous as to what people have to pay. And, yeah, you know, and people and leaving. The people leaving. So you know, I had YouTube TV at one point. They did not renew with Nesson, and then I got rid of YouTube TV because I mean, it, it was great for me and for the household. We could have it on numerous TVs. It was a, a it's just nothing sixty on. bucks a month. It, it was great. But now once they got rid of Nesson, you know, the one thing I needed for is the Bruins, I had to get rid of it. But now I was looking, I was debating on going to Fubo. And my one issue with Fubo is that they don't have TNT. 
and with that, the big issue becomes playoff time. Playoffs. If they're going to do that, I'm not able to watch. So I was just like, fuck, man, like I'm kind of stuck. But on the other end, Fubo, if it, if I got whatever it was, the medium package, I got all these different ones, it would be like 80 bucks a month, but I can have it on all of my things that are connected to my home Wi-Fi. So I could put a TV in every fucking room. And, have all the games on. Yeah, like it wouldn't even matter. So to me, it's just like more frustrating because – they still have the market cornered a little bit in certain ways, which yep. which sucks, you know. Which is changing. So I'm sure uh, Nesson's going to hop on this, but MSG Network is releasing their own streaming service uh, in March. So Nesson already has this, but but you can watch it in market, no blackout, and stream the game on your computer. See, that's nice. The, the one thing that Nesson has is they already outpriced themselves out of it. Like, like I oh, think, it's too expensive? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think starting out, they, they wanted like 20 or 25 bucks a month for it. I'm like, oh, MSG Network, they're charging uh, $9.99 a month. You can watch it on multiple devices at one time, and it's for the Knicks and the Rangers. But, yeah. And you know what? If it was 10 bucks a month, that'd be fine because I wouldn't have to yeah. worry about it. But it's like, they wanted that thing, and I'm going, are you guys out of your mind? Like, first <laughs> first time out of the gate, that that's what you want? Like, come on. That's more expensive than HBO Max. Yeah, like, that's why I was like, they, they can't be for real with this one, but apparently Yeah, the Yankees are coming out with one, too, for in-market, because that was a big thing. Like, I don't have cable, and if I live in New York, the only thing I would ever watch on TV is football, which is always on basic cable, which doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, you can get that without a full-on package. And the Rangers and Yankees. But I couldn't stream it because you're in market. So then you just couldn't watch your favorite team unless you got cable. With this, I'll pay the extra because I'm literally only paying to watch the Yankees and the Rangers in season. So it's alternating the cost because by the time baseball really starts, hockey's over. Yeah. So that's this. I think that's a smart thing to do. The whole streaming thing has gotten to the point of like some games are on, and I'm just making up names here, but like the Rangers versus the Bruins on Apple TV Plus, and it's like now I have to fucking subscribe to Apple TV Plus to watch one game. Yeah, and and my biggest beef too is, listen, we have ESPN Plus. Like that was our big partnership. Why and so I can watch anything out of market that's covered. I could watch Anaheim versus fucking Seattle, and I could have the choice of the Anaheim broadcast or the Seattle broadcast. But if the Bruins are playing the Raiders, I can't. Yeah, like like that's a joke. <laughs> like, like you know, it's like what the fuck. That's the one last thing. That's what's killing sports on TV is because they're still hitching their wagon to the old cable model. And I know they've tried to incorporate, like you said, ESPN Plus. Baseball is trying to do uh, Apple TV or Apple T- Plus TV. Football is doing Amazon Prime with Thursday Night Football. But they're only like one game here and there. It's spread across multiple streaming platforms. Like if the NHL came out and said, we are going to stream basically like a NHL Center Ice. Mm-hmm. But you can stream – even in-market games, if you don't have cable, you just have to pay like a little bit extra surcharge for your monthly cost if you want to watch in-market games, something like that. But you can get basically NHL Center Ice streaming, and all the games are going to be on one platform 
and you're going to know how to access it and when. And it's not going to be bounced around and everything else. You can save games. I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. Like, I don't know. Once one of the major leagues ditches cable, like you just can't watch baseball on cable anymore. It's just all on streaming that, or in lo- local market TV. That's going to be – then everybody's going to follow. It's just going to take one of them to have the balls to do it. I, I just hope it's the NHL for their own sake. Like you said, their marketing of players is awful. The only hockey people know hockey players. Anybody yep. else could walk right by them on the street. They don't know who they are. Your viewership's down. The players are bullshit because they wanted the cap to go up. It hasn't really gone up yet. Made the jump they thought. One of the cable, I think it was like Bally Total Sportsnet or something. They're going to claim bankruptcy. They're going to claim bankruptcy and they owe teams, I, I think it was... 500 and something million dollars in back pay. And now it's going to affect all these teams. And it's like escrow will go up. Everything else is going to keep going. And it, it seems like the NHL just stays in this vicious, vicious cycle. And it's like, yeah, I, we haven't had a lockout in a while. Yeah. I was going to say coming soon. <laughs> I, I did see. Um, so I was looking online the other day. It was like a main, it was like MSN. They came up and they're predicting that the old Boston mayor, Marty Walsh, is going to be the next NHLPA head, which I thought was interesting because, you know, he used to be really big, at least here, with with all the unions, Local 122. Well, that's why he was the labor secretary. Yeah, so, I mean, he has a very good idea what's going on, and I guess they said the NHL players themselves have not been happy with Donald Fair the last couple of times and what ended up being, you know, agreed upon. Obviously, everyone who has gotten this job has gotten fired at some point. That that's the way this job works. But on the other end, I'm all for an outsider. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think someone who is strictly going to be for the contract purposes of the PA, I think that's a big wild card to the NHL trying to do business with them. So I think that'll be a very interesting move if they do make Marty the head of that. Yeah, so I always find it at least appealing where you don't know what's going to happen because the person doesn't have a track record in the league. And sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. But I like the idea of someone just breaking the mold and being like, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it completely differently. Here's how we're going to negotiate. Here's the hill we're going to die on. And I don't know, I I think it brings life. Even if it's not something that everybody's on board with, it at least brings, breathes life into the discussion versus all right, Bill Daly's talking. Donald Fear's talking. They're going to want to raise escrow. They want to going to they want to change the split of HHR to fifty two forty eight this time. Like all that bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, I know we were talking about the playoff format out west. If it was the tr- old school one through eight, the one matchup that real juicy Seattle Edmonton. I put my money on Seattle. Like that's a nice matchup. Um, but anyway, how's Shane Wright doing in Seattle? Shane Wright's doing all right in Seattle. Um, cause Seattle to him kind of looks like the OHL, <laughs> but, uh, uh, my boy, Matt Beniers, the, the Calder final, well, the Calder champion that I said, looks like he's, uh, doing pretty good in that role right now. So well, that's what I said. You can't bank on both of them at 18 being, carrying your franchise. Maybe one or one of them will, but not both of them. 
Man, that, at least that, to start. By the way, Matt Beniers is the ugliest dude in the league. I was going to say that nose is uh, – there's something in there. Like him and Marshan are going to have to drop the gloves at one point. They're just like battle of the beaks. <laughs> but, no, it is nice seeing Seattle uh, being successful and they have sellout – like the arena atmosphere seems fucking awesome. I wish you and I can go out to a Seattle game – if they had like the Rangers and Bruins back to back, oh, that would be Seattle. A couple days out there. Yeah, and I would like to go to uh, Arizona too. Go to Mullet Arena, get one of those mullet uh, wigs, drink with Biz. <laughs> <Walk in. laughs> I, I, I I would like to give an apology too to the Dallas Stars. I think it was just uh, my hatred of Pete DeBoer made me predict certain things which weren't true. So that I bet they were going to suck. Yeah, like, I, I do apologize about that. Hey, I'll call on Winnipeg is looking pretty good right now. Winnipeg still looks good. Um, Colorado is going to like start winning, right? I was going to say, Colorado and Nashville, I'm hoping they're going to start doing something. Like, Jesus. I mean, out, the bottom three of that playoff picture are just on the outside are three teams that we predicted were going to be like the top three in a conference this year, and now they're 8, 9, 10. And the other one, too, Calgary in the Pacific, like – yeah, you gotta you gotta start doing something, and yeah. So, just looking at the standings brings reminds me of the Bo Horvat trade to the Islanders. He signed eight year extension yeah. today. Typical Lou, typical Lou Limarillo. The finances weren't disclosed as of yet. Yeah, all he said was it was for too long and for too much money. <laughs> 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 but eight and a half million dollars a year for a Horvat. I mean, he's a nice player. I don't know if I want to be paying him more than. I don't think I, he's worth eight and a half million dollars a year uh, as a twenty-nine-year-old for eight years. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a stretch myself. I mean, in fairness to Bo, I mean, maybe now in a different place he can then kind of become a little bit better i just uh i'm not really too sure as to where it goes but at least they seem to have their core locked up now that they have barzell they have horvat they have lee brock nelson josh bailey they still have sorokin's an rfa yeah they, they still have paul Mayer. like so i'm interested to see now with the, the addition of him is there this team now going to be better because they haven't really blown me out of the water yet this year it just seems like just been sputtering along a little bit yeah and it's like you know last year we kind of gave them the pass in the sense of they didn't even get a home game till you know almost december they had the covid injuries the injuries and now it's like now with everything kind of back to normal it's like uh I would get why they make the trade because they have no prospect pool. They have like no draft capital, so they have to be all in for like the next two, three years. Oh no! I, I think for the trade for them, considering what they gave up, I don't. Yeah, it was think nothing. It's that bad. No, I mean Beauvillier is a great young player, but I mean Horvat's better than him. Raddy has never accumulated to anything yet in this league, and a conditional first. I mean, I mean a first is a good return. Player. Because it's protected, so the Canucks can end up with a top 15 pick for Horvat, who was going to leave anyway. So, like, that's not too bad every return. Batty's, like, 
he's all right. He, I could, basically, the consensus was if he makes it, if he if he makes it, he would be like a top nine guy who might occasionally be able to fill in in your top six. So, like, nothing to write home about. But Olivier is, like, eminently replaceable. So, like, I think he was just part of it for the cap reasons. Mm-hmm. But I, I was expecting more for the Horvat trade. The reason why I'm not sold on him as $8.5 million, and I, I know I always bring it back to my boys, would you rather be paying Horvat $8.5 million for the next eight years or Mika Zibanejad, who's getting paid $8.5 million for the next eight years? Yeah, well, uh, we will see if now, <laughs> we'll see if now in the new market if he is a new man. And yeah. speaking of that trade in general, I mean, did you see the Canucks becoming as big of a dumpster fire that it turned – like, it just seemed like – I can't believe what they the did to Boudreaux. I was going to say, it just seemed like from the beginning of this year, it was just ugly from the get-go, and then everything just started happening. And it was like, what is going on over there? Yeah, I mean, if Rutherford wanted Tuckett, why didn't he just hire him in his summer? I, I don't get that either. And the other thing they said in general was they wanted Tuckett from the from summertime because they wanted him to keep JT Miller in check. And the rumors what? this year have been raging with JT Miller about he's an absolute prick in the dressing room. The guys oh, there hate yeah, him. Miller's like punt. Uh, and they like went up and down, and, and that's why they want to talk it to keep him in line. And it's like, like you said, a, why didn't you do that over the summer? But b, I mean, y- you kind of just hung Boudreau out to dry there, and it was like this. It got a little ugly there. It was. Yeah, he, he, and Bruce has been in the league too long and won too much to be disrespected like that. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Like sitting on a bench, knowing this might be his last game. Nope, it's not his last game. And he has to go out there and put on a face and talk to the media like that's horseshit. Yeah, and then but but hey, just so you know, Saturday is definitely your last game. Yeah, like that's kind of stupid. Um, it's just I mean, like Alvin there is the GM too. Like I feel like there's a lot between Patrick Alvin and Rutherford that it's really Rutherford show. Alvin's just kind of the guy that's there as, as kind of a scapegoat, but it's like, then just let Rutherford run it. Like, like what's the point? Yeah. So Horvath's gone. I'm assuming they're going to try like hell to trade Miller. I know they brought in Tockett because, you know, he. if you need to hire a coach to keep one player in line, the player shouldn't be on a team. Like, that's not how it should operate. But... Let's say they keep him because, you know, I'm not sure anybody's going to want to trade for his contract and his personality. And they hired Tockett to help with that. So Miller stays. Shen's probably going to be on his way out, even though he's a fan favorite. Um, sounds like Demko is on the market, which mm-hmm. if I'm a if I'm a team, if I'm Buffalo, I'm making that trade long before the deadline because that could add a few extra points to my end of season total, yep. getting him in there in February instead of March. Um, I mean, outside of that, like, who are you, who are you trading? Like, is somebody going to take on Connor Garland's contract? I like Connor Garland. Like, if I see a little top six, top nine, right winger, right hand shot, I don't think anybody's going to take on his contract or give you anything of value, even if you eat a little bit of it. Um, 
outside of that, that's not really it's not really too much marketable talent. Nobody's gonna take on a Myers deal. No. So like who are you moving? It's gonna basically gonna be what you can get it for Shen, which will probably be a late first round pick because that's what guys like him get at the deadline every year. You get whatever you can for Dem- uh, Demko. If you keep a Miller, you have Pedersen, you have Quinn Hughes. I'd rather just keep Demko. Yeah. So it's almost like they're stuck not rebuilding, but they're training guys because they feel like they should. Yeah, just the the middle is is not good. <laughs> yeah, which is where also St. Louis is kind of cratering into. Um. Yeah, the other thing that came up was the uh, Proveroff situation yes. in Philly. Yep. It now has the number one jersey sales in the NHL. Yeah, then it hit the Rangers, too, where for some reason it was the Pride Night celebration. They marketed it uh, since the summer on a schedule that that was going to be Pride Night. They had the Garden, the uh, colors in the Pride flag. They had Pride organization uh, fundraising throughout the night in person at the Garden. They had a member of of one of the organizations sing the national anthem, the puck, they did the puck drop, but the players didn't wear the pride theme jerseys during warm up, even though they were scheduled to. And then it turned to this whole thing of, did the players say that they weren't going to wear it? Who on the team just in the organization decided not to let them wear the jerseys. It came out that the players didn't even know that that was a decision that was made because it's the guys. They're not thinking about what's my warm-up jersey supposed to look like today. They show up, they see the warm-up jersey, they put on and go out. They're not really thinking about it. Whatever is in the locker room, locker is what they're putting on. Yep. But the players didn't make the decision not to wear it. So it was somebody above them, um, probably Dolan, because he's been on a bridge-burning campaign here in New York the last couple of weeks because of the whole facial recognition thing. Uh, uh, I don't know. If, have you heard about that? I have not heard about that. I heard he went on a tear last week on one of the morning shows because I don't know if it was the governor or one of the city reps, but the liquor license, the liquor license. Yeah. I heard that. And he said, well, when we can't sell beer during the Rangers game, I'm just going to hand out his cards to everyone that's in line and say, you should call your state rep and let them know that you'd really like to be able to drink a beer right now. (laughs) Yeah. The facial recognition is, so they have it set up at all of the venues owned by MSG Entertainment. And he personally has it set up where if you work for a law firm that is currently in litigation against MSG Entertainment, even if you're not on the case, you just happen to work at the law firm, the facial recognition will alert security and you're banned from the building. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a whole story because a lawyer at one of the firms who wasn't working on a case against MSG Entertainment was going to uh, Radio City to see the Rockettes with her daughter, and they wouldn't allow her in a building. Oh, that's that's harsh. Yeah, so then it was this whole local story about that. So then he went on, like you heard, the morning show, just rambling on and on about that, talked about the liquor license and everything else. I'm, I'm assuming Dolan did that out of spite. Uh, because it's so short-sighted where everything else is for Pride Night, but I'm taking the jerseys away. (laughs) But besides that, the whole – the reason why I brought it up was 
the reaction that Provorov got and the reaction that the Rangers got as an organization from people is like, we're very accepting of opposing views as long as they agree with what we think. Mm-hmm. Provorov shouldn't be forced to do anything he doesn't want to do that's not against the law if he doesn't want to do it. That doesn't mean he's a fucking bigot and hopes gay people die. The Rangers don't have to do have a pride night. It's almost like the whole um, uh, right speak, mm-hmm. I think is what they call it. You have to recite our pledges. You have to repeat what we say. You have to see to every one of our demands. And if you don't, then we're coming for you. Even if you did nine, the first nine requests or demands, you did. But the tenth one, you said no. All the other nine doesn't matter. You're a bigot. You're a homophobic. You should rot in hell. The Rangers are a terrible organization. Provorov should be kicked out of the league. Like, it's ridiculous the reaction that happened where Provorov doesn't have an issue with if you're gay or not. He just, it's his religion, doesn't want to wear the jersey. So I don't, like, I hated the reaction to it. Like, was it expected? Yeah. I mean, I expected the reaction, the typical reaction about it. And I'm glad the other reason why I brought it up was I'm glad to see the statement that Batman made at the All-Star game this weekend. Where, I'm going to try and pull up the exact quote here, but he backed Provorov in the Rangers. Which I find crazy because Bettman in the past has seemed to be one of those guys as to whatever he needs to do for certain people to be in those seats, he will do. Yeah. The fact that he backed him, it it was a surprise to me. Yeah, he said, uh, you know what our goals, our values, and our intentions are across the league, whether it's at the league level or at the club level. But we also have to respect individual choice. And part of being diverse and welcoming is understanding those differences. And that is Uh, where the money. Whether you choose to embrace and make a statement on behalf of a cause, if you choose not to do that, doesn't make you a bigot. I'm sure you don't endorse every single charity that solicits you. And you don't participate in every social cause. You pick and choose the ones that are important to you. The ones you don't choose to do does not necessarily make you bigoted, misogynistic, or homophobic, or racist. Thank you. Thank you. You're like, wow, Gary. I know. I was stunned because, you know, you don't want to piss off the special interest groups and everything else. It's not like, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Those people, like those organizations stop coming to games. Oh, no, the ticket sales will fall by 1%. Yeah, I just... Like, I was just happy that Provorov actually stuck to his guns as to it's my religion. And, like, it wasn't anything degrading or despicable. It was, this is my religion. This is what I believe. And And Torch had his back. Which, yet again, I mean, the fact that your head coach has your back in something as simple as that, where you're able to, because, I mean, we discuss DEI and inequality oh. and equity and inclusion. And it's like, listen, like Bettman said, this is all a part of that. That This is all the same thing where, hey, you may believe something. I may believe something different. 
but we're going to have to find a middle ground. Yeah, as long as you're not trying to take away someone's humanity. Like, I love how the word inclusive is involved, but they don't want to be inclusive of anything that disagrees with their worldview. Correct. Like, if Provorov came out and said, I'm not wearing those faggy jerseys, like, I hate gay, like, obviously that's a whole different animal. Correct. But that's not, that, but that's not where he was coming from. I, like you said, I was stunned to see the statement from Batman, and I was like, this is a good sign. And I, from afar, I was noticing there are little things here and there, especially in the sports world. It almost seems like they're starting to kind of finally grow a spine with some of these things. Of like, listen, we're supporting. We want to be helpful, but you're not dictating to us what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, on the other end. Yeah, and I was like, oh, shit, okay. But yeah, I wanted to bring it up because the fact that Batman backed him up, and it wasn't some wishy-washy statement from Bill Daly with like, we love the LGBTQ community that, and didn't even mention defending the choice of the player. On the other The end. fact that Batman came out and specifically said that, I was like, all right, Garen. Like I said, I, I was shocked that he said it, but... Two years ago, I don't think Batman would have said it. So there's definitely like a little bit of a tie turn here. And again, that doesn't mean we're against uh, inclusive, inclusivity and, you know, this game is for you. Like that initiative uh, that the NHL and even like, I think it all runs all through junior hockey too. Yeah. the like, you, We're not against that push. Yeah. Yeah. You can play. You're not against that push, but the people behind you can play. Don't get to tell people if you're homophobic or not because you don't wear a rainbow colored jersey. Yeah, on the other end. So, um, I guess we should talk about my boys. We talk about your boys. I mean, Kreider's not scoring fifty this year. That's why you guys are playing so bad. I mean, we you knew that going in. <laughs> like, he'll, he'll end up with his typical twenty-five to thirty. Yep. Uh, which you know. It's a huge, it's a huge drop off from fifty two, but kind of right in line with what we expected. Now, the can, I was say, can I can I just ask one more question? This one's not related yeah. to Kreider. I mean, we anticipated in general that um, we didn't think that um, Shashurkin was going to have the year he hit the head last year. What we expected, yeah, some, impossible. Yeah, we we expected some fall off. Now he's still playing very good hockey. Yeah, but because it's not to the point of where it was last year, have we had some uh, people jumping on and off the Igor bandwagon within New York, or have they been steady? No, it's. I mean, it's steady. Like you have the type of year you had last year. I don't think you're in danger of people calling you a fluke. Like he's, he's dominated at every level he's played at. It's not like he came out of nowhere, like a Jose Theodore Mm -hmm. and that was it. I think a lot of the blame. So the Rangers have had kind of three seasons so far. They started off well, the first uh, 10 games of the year. And then they had a huge drop off. They lifeless hockey, no compete, no fight in their game. Uh, the hallmark of the team last year, and this is pretty much the same team from last year. I know they're missing Strom for Toronto and Cop, but outside of Strom, those guys came over at the deadline. But last year's team, and we saw the model, no quit in New York. They were known for being down three and coming back and winning, salvaging a point um, 
if you have the lead, I think we only lost one time last year when leading entering the third period. Complete opposite during that stretch run. If we fell behind by two goals, game was over. It was almost like the guys got deflated on a bench. Like, all right, well, we're not going to come back in this one. Um, and part of that has to do with Gallant. And to be honest, I can see why he doesn't last long in his stops. There's no, and we said this when he was hired too. We can go back and listen to it. We even said he's not an X's and O's guy. He's a environment guy. Mm -hmm. And this year, the Rangers have needed the X's and O's guy. And that's not Gallant's forte. And Gallant's forte is everything's okay. Let's not panic. We're good. We're fine, which has its benefits. But when your team is playing like absolute dog shit to the point where your new captain gets in a fight after a big hit against the Blackhawks, one of the worst teams in the league that you're losing to at home, and then after the fight throws his helmet at the bench, the boards at the bench, and yells, let's fucking wake up. And the announcers on MSG Network say, like, yeah, the team's just sitting there on a bench, like, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And during that stretch, to hear Gallant say, oh, you know, I thought we played well out there just didn't get the bounces. Irritated me to no fucking end. Now, I don't want him standing up there calling guys out by name saying, this team sucks. Like, that's the opposite of what I was looking for. But it's not. It's like Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Nothing is ever bad. Everything's just about to turn good. Everything's a great. Everything's great. There's a difference between optimism and blind optimism. And I hate that shit, especially when the team is struggling. Like, show a little bit of fire. The only thing Gallant, and he even said this, which was, I, I cracked up when I read the quote. All I, can, all, I have to, all I can do is change the lines. That's all you can do as a coach of a National Hockey League team is, well, I guess I'll just change the lines. So you have no other tricks up your sleeve. You don't know how to motiv- motivate the guys. You don't know how to scheme up a better power play where everybody knows it's coming to disadvantage at the top of the circle. You don't know what else to do. That's the extent of your coaching abilities is to clap your hands and then say, all right, let's change the lines. But that's all so, they can do is just change the lines. Like shit, man. So that was like the deep, dark end of the season. And then from that game on, after Truba had that fight and called the team out, I think they've been they've gone on a nineteen four and two run. So they've turned it around. They, I think, the biggest issue besides that little, little, I think it was a twelve game, thirteen game drop there, is Trocheck is not fitting with Panarin, which is what I said would happen. Nice player, wrong team. Or wrong fit. He is our 3C. If you just put the names in the hat, Heedle is our 2C. He already has a career high in goals. He's on pace for 27 goals. And he's only played in... If, if he plays every game the rest of the year, he would. he's on pace for 27 goals in 55 games. Or 56 games. Like, he's our 2C. But he's RFA at the end of the year. So is uh, Keandre Miller and Alexei Lafreniere. How are you keeping all of them? 
when we're up against the cap. And then you have Trocek, who's basically your 3C. And again, good player, wrong fit. My initial thought was, you know, maybe it's just not a right fit. You can move on in the offseason. He has a full no-trade clause, no-movement clause. So he doesn't have to accept a trade if he doesn't want to. doesn't need to go anywhere. Yep. Yeah. So, again, was Ryan Strom a perfect player? No. But he was your 2C that you knew what you were getting when you put him at Panarin. You knew what you were getting. And he signed for much less, much less term length. And I think for the same or just a little bit less than what you're paying Trocek. I'm sure he would have taken slightly less than that to even stay in New York. Like, I don't understand. Or even if you wanted to keep Cop, Cop played well with Panarin after the deadline and into the playoffs. I don't know why you go for the big unknown with Trocek. Is he better on face-offs than both of them? Sure. But you could bring in a guy like Benino at the deadline to take important draw, defensive zone draws in the playoffs for you if you want to. Like, I didn't like the signing in the offseason. I still don't like it. Um, so I think that was one of the issues there. And the other issue is, so you slide Heedle up to play with Panarin, let's say, which Galanta's kind of only done here and there. But if he, if Lafreniere is not playing with Heedle and Kako, he's invisible. It's the strangest thing. You put him on any other line, he can't get shit done. You put him with Heedle and Kako, fucking lighting the world on fire. I don't know. I mean, it's great for chemistry, but he don't need to be out 2C with Panarin. And you can't have Lafreniere displace Panarin on a second line. So unless you want to have a first line of Panarin, uh, Zibanejad, and Kreider, who Kreider even tried that and said, I can't play right wing. Like, I can't, that's, I can't play my off wing. So then you have Kreider on a third line just to play Kate Lafreniere to stay with Heedle. I don't know. There's a few odd fits on a roster. Um, Shesterkin isn't playing as well as he did last year, but he's still playing well. Um, I think he started finding his gear the last two or three weeks before the All-Star break, so he should be fine there. Halak's played lights out the last seven or eight starts that he's had as the backup. Fox is Norris Trophy frontrunner. He's playing great. Uh, Keandre Miller's played well. Braden Schneider has really developed. So I think for the Rangers, it's a matter of Gallant has to commit to Heedle being 2C, and then we need to figure everything else out. Trocek slides down to 3C. Have a third line. That's a grinding-type line like the Tampa Bay Lightning had. You put Kreider with Trocek and, and Barbashev, something like that. I don't know. And you have a pretty good third line. Good road down to the fourth line with VC. So... I don't know. The Rangers are in a good spot. They're not a bad team. I think if the playoffs started today, they wouldn't make a deep run. They don't have the depth right now. And I think they're still trying to figure out where all the pieces fit, unlike the Bruins, who basically just running the four lines out there when everyone's healthy and just telling them to go get it. Um, so at the deadline, it's definitely going to be the Rangers probably looking for one top six right winger. I don't it. It's not going to be Patrick Kane, I don't think, unless he comes basically free. Um, I like Barbashev. Uh, I know they're talking. Everybody talks about Timo Meyer and Vlad Tarasenko. I don't think those guys fit salary wise, especially Timo Meyer with his qualifying offer. Maybe the Rangers trade for him at the deadline and trade him in the offseason. Who knows? Um, 
but they'll probably they'll add one top six winger. They'll probably add a bottom six guy, and then they need to add a third pair left hand shot defenseman because you cannot go into the playoffs with Ben Harper in your top six. He's played all right, especially for a PTO type level uh, player. But you, if he's your if he's your six and not your seven or eight, you're you're going to be in trouble. Now, uh, your evaluation of the cock daddy so far this year? Oh, cock has been great. Okay. So the points have started coming. He's he's played well all year. There was a point where he hit a post in eleven straight games. Like he was snake bitten, but. Ever since he finally got put in a top six, he was playing with Kreider and Mika for a while and started producing. He's played on a kid line because whenever they need a spark, they reunite them and they play well together. He's played with Panarin. Any line he's on, he's playing the role that we hoping he would develop into. The goal scoring touch still isn't there, but he's racking up assists. I think he the, uh, the line with Kreider and Mika – in terms of puck possession, it's a top five line in, in the entire league when they play together. So he's dominant along the boards, good vision, uh, good player. He's just, he's not the franchise guy. He's just a, an outstanding quote-unquote role player is how I would put it. So he's playing playing well this year. Lafreniere's huge disappointment. Hedo's playing well. Uh, so two out of three ain't bad, I guess. Now, is it more like difficult watching one versus the other. I mean, obviously, you know, Alexi was one, Kaka was number two, at least in the draft order. But on the yeah. other end, it's like there were glimpses last year of, you know, Lafreniere finally kind of breaking through. And then to come to this point, you're like, ugh, like sophomore slump or just you're like, fuck, man, like we were seeing her right at the end of the year, like even in the postseason. Dude, the playoffs, he was amazing. Yeah. But again, he was on a kid line. It's like he can't play with anyone else except Hito and Kaka. <laughs> um, I think the issue with Lafreniere, I'm, not all of it's his fault. Like, because for some reason, and maybe it's like the same thing that Kreider said, maybe he's just not comfortable playing the right side. So he has to be a left winger. Well, if Kreider is going to be riding shotgun with Mika, Panarin's on your second line. Lafreniere is only getting third line even strength minutes, and he gets almost no power play time. So that right there is putting him at a disadvantage in terms of getting to uh, offensive production and starting to put up points because he's just not getting the opportunity. He's getting 14, 15 minutes a night, no power play time. But the, besides that being issue number 1A, issue 1B is he has zero foot speed. Like. It's very noticeable where when he gets a puck in the offensive zone along the boards or even on a rush, he gets back check, pushed off the puck. He's in a board battle almost immediately. There's no room for him to use his like top-tier vision because as soon as he gets the puck or he's skating, someone's already on his ass because they can catch up to him. He has no foot speed in the open ice. He has no speed in tight spaces. He's just very stationary type player, and I think that leads to frustration on his end, um, which is very visible, especially in that loss against New Jersey. I don't know if you saw the three-on-three OT where he ran into Schneider. Yes, I did see that. 
which I don't know why fans are getting a lot from you. But like, oh my God, he sucks. He got interfered with. <laughs> uh, I think it's just a combination of that. I think if he will, like most of these first overall picks that make the team right after that draft year, they're on teams that give them first line minutes and first power play minutes immediately, and they develop into that kind of franchise role. And he just wasn't afforded that opportunity. So I don't know if it, the fear is it just doesn't happen in New York. Like he'll go somewhere else and take off because he's going to get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if the Rangers are afraid of that happening, well, the alternative is he just never develops in New York and he's stuck in your third line. Yeah. Just keep him buried forever. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like we recorded when the Rangers won the lottery, I freaked out. Cause I'm like, we had number two overall last year. Now we get the first overall, like incredible. Like we're going to have two top two picks on the Rangers for the next decade. And, but as the draft got closer, I'm like, they don't need another left winger. They need a center. And if they took Timmy, like you and I talked about, like, well, if you don't take Lafreniere, who do you want? Guess who would be our 2C right now? We would have saved the money from the Trocheck deal. Mr. Stutzla. Yeah, and we wouldn't have to worry about Lafreniere. We would have Heedle, Strudel, uh, like I call him, <laughs> and Kako, all in the top six, top nine, all on their pre-arbitration year contracts. And then you would have Crider Panarin still on their natural side. Like, I don't know. Hindsight's 2020. And if the Rangers pass on Lafreniere and he developed and became a franchise guy and Suzel didn't, then the Rangers would like lambast it forever for passing on him. It, so I can see the fear. There's no, yeah, there was no right or wrong. Well, yeah. good or bad, there was always going to be something. Yeah. So it's just a shame because. You, like you said, you saw it a glimpse, especially in the playoffs with Lafreniere. Um, and that's the player that everybody thought we we're going to get this year. I called a 30-goal season for him. I was like, dude, this guy's about to pop. Like all this, I, was th- I was unsure of Kako. I thought Lafreniere was definitely taking off. So, I don't know. It's kind of disappointing. I think they should just try and give him a run. If you're going to push uh, Trocek to 3C, I really like him and Kreider together, like that type of third line. And Kreider will still get his first uh, top-line power play minutes, obviously, because of his ability in front of the net. So I don't think he would complain a lot much. And then you can kind of give Lafreniere that run on the second line. But I don't know. We'll see. The deadline's going to be big. I don't think they're going to go big game hunting. They'll get a couple smaller pieces like they did last year and hope that kind of helps them solidify themselves. All right. Well, I mean, I know we just talked about your boys, but – Anyone else across the league, like, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment so far this year? I mean, there's a couple for disappointments. So, Ottawa, even though they won four, they're on the edge of the playoff picture. Yes. They're making their way back into it. So, they're disappointing just because, I mean, their defense hasn't developed this much as I thought it would have. Um, I think that's been their biggest kind of hold on the roster so far this year. But if they can start getting on a run here, they're right in the mix of it. Florida being where they are, like even with Kachuk having a year he's having, like it's crazy that they were, they're 11th in the conference right now. And I know that means they're only a few points out of a wild card playoff spot, but we all pegged them to be top three. Correct. Yep. 
in the in the division. So they're disappointing. Columbus, like Jesus Christ, I thought they'd be at least competitive. Yeah, no, they have not been good at all. <laughs> but so in the East, those are my disappointing. In the West, like we talked about, the eight, nine, ten in a conference right now: Colorado, Calgary, Nashville. Am I concerned about Colorado? No, they're going to turn it on. My prediction is they get Taves at the deadline um, and put him at 2C and then he move uh, Newhook down to 3C. Uh, help kind of shield him a little bit. Calgary, hugely disappointing. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Nashville, I mean, that this was the fear of a John Hines team, man. Like we saw what happened in New Jersey. Uh, but McDonough looks cooked after all that mileage, which probably hurts uh, with our preseason prediction. Two surprises, one in the East, one in the West. Out West, got to say, you boys in Seattle, at least for me, they're a surprise. I thought they'd be better. I thought they might contend for a wild card spot. I did not think they would have 63 points at this point of the year. Um, and got to be Buffalo in the East. Yeah, so I, I saw this thing the other day that I thought was very, uh, very interesting. So it was regarding Coach Granado and Tage Thompson, and it was okay. going into. So last year was the first season he turned it on. So it was the season before that, and he said that I kept seeing Tage in practice, and I mean glimpses of, you know potential goal scorer here and, and I didn't understand what the problem was and he goes legitimately I brought him into my office and I said you're a goal scorer in the National Hockey League like just go out there and play like one he's like there, there's no question whatever you're doing here should translate into the games he's like I see it in practice it, it should be in the games and I think he finally just took it as uh, you know a, a psychological point as to I'm a goal scorer in the National Hockey League and fucking he's turned it on ever since and yeah I mean I, I was laughing when they gave him that deal I'm going well, one good year is not you know does not entice that deal but I mean he has kept <laughs> it going this year too I know last year when he signed that deal I messaged you I was like what a brutal deal for the Sabres and now it's looking back it's like that's pretty fucking franchise altering contract <laughs> yeah on the other end um, I'm trying to think for, for me personally, looking at surprises, like, yeah, I did not think Columbus was going to be that bad. I, I thought they would be a lot closer to Philadelphia, but Philly, on the other hand, I mean, they're 500 even, but the teams ahead of them, they're not too far off. Four points away from the Islanders, six points away from Pittsburgh. I mean, I I'm not saying they're going to make it there, but there's... Still a chance. Yeah. So we'll leave that open there. Ottawa, I agree with you. They, they've been very rocky, very up and down. Consistency's been hard. They have rattled off four in a row. I mean, personally, I would love to see Ottawa keep going here. Jump Florida, jump Buffalo. But we will yeah. see if that happens. But I also think that Washington and Pittsburgh are kind of already – very comfortable where they are, and that'll be the least of their worries. Um, and the Islanders with the Horvat trade, like now they're going to be making a push for it. Yeah, and I would say that the Islanders will, will turn it around too. 
Now, question for you. I, I was thinking about this the other day. After the World Junior, I mean, is the tank for Bedard on when you're looking at Anaheim, Chicago, Arizona? It, you'd have to oh, think dude. that that is a player that is coming into the lineup and changing things instantly. I'm just playing the emergency goalie in every game if I'm one of those teams. Yeah, just e-bug every night? Yep. Like, <laughs> I, like I was – because that's the great thing about being over in Europe. It was airing live in the middle of the day. Oh, so you're living. Um, you're living. Yeah. And I was watching that. That's when I sent you the idea. I was like, Lafreniere and three first-round picks to Chicago for first overall. And then we get Bedard. <laughs> I was like – this kid, like, man, I wish he was. I wish he was coming out the year we won the lottery. Like, Jesus Christ! But yeah, if I'm one of those teams, like, there's nothing I won't trade at this deadline to make me worse. To, to, yeah, to get a sniff at him. Like, I mean, Columbus has a chance if they got Bedard. Yeah. So Bedard I like and Johnny Hockey together. Yeah, the only thing is, I don't want him going to Anaheim. Like, no offense. Like, no one's going to give a fuck if he goes to Anaheim. Oh, but if he goes to Chicago. I mean, Chicago, Columbus, or Arizona, even Arizona. Like, Arizona has a, a little bit of a, like, a cult following out in the desert. Like, if he goes there and he plays at Muller Arena, like, I think that place would be lit. I just think the other part of it of if you end up getting him in Anaheim, like I agree with what you said. I mean, as for people in the following, but if you him add him to Zegris and fucking Terry. Troy Terry, like and Mason McTavish, Mason McTavish. like <laughs> Anaheim goes from, you know, uh, to a legitimate contender very quickly. Yeah. It, I mean, they won a Stanley Cup and they had a parade in a parking lot. So yeah, they thought it was like a rec league trophy, the Stanley. Cup. <laughs> like if he ends up in Chicago, I think the NHL would love if he ended up in Chicago. Um, well, yeah, I they mean, would take Arizona because it would help Batman's validation of hockey in the desert. Yeah, I think it would help Chicago too because if Taves and Kane are both gone in the off season, there's at least a new, a brand new turnaround and at least something to watch there. You don't think Max Domi is a new face in the franchise? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, the craziest part is they're already trying to move on from Seth Jones. So that's a quick turnaround. But he, but he was an all-star. <laughs> yeah, big body. But... I have one last question for you. Yeah. When does Eisenman blow up his roster of failing lottery picks? That's a good question. It's know. not working. Rasmussen, Sedina, like Larkin is a free agent. I think they keep him. I think he wants to say Bertuzzi's going to be gone. I'm very like, surprised with Sedina, though. Like, he was a legitimate sniper coming in and just nothing. I mean, that's the other thing. I didn't even talk about the Rangers, but Vitelli Krasov. Just, like, no role on this team. Yeah, I mean, you have Raymond there. You got my boy on the back end insider, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you need more from all those other guys. And I just wonder the other part of it of 
I agree with you. Like, may, maybe those guys will go somewhere else and play better. But on the other end, you're like, I'm legitimately shipping out a fucking top five pick here. Or past five top. Like, you know, it's like, you got to try to at least bring something of similar value of, hey, maybe there's another guy out there struggling that we could bring in. Like, hey, maybe Zadina for, um, what's his name there? Ed- no, yeah. Or, or <laughs> Pule Arvey. Yeah, for Pule Arvey. You know, it's just like, I don't think it's going to hurt. Yeah, I mean, after a while, like, Detroit's been in this position for a long time now, especially in Hockey Town, where CBY is going to have to eventually swing for the fences here and bring in some legitimate NHL-ready veteran talent. Like, he, they can't just sit back and wait for Sedina and get another uh, lottery pick and then wait for him to come up because – Eisman loves that they start in the A. So then you're already looking at, okay, he'll finish his junior minimum a year, mm-hmm. maybe two, depending on his age, so he's eligible for the AHL. Then he goes to AHL. So now you're looking at another three years until that first-round pick is Coming full-time yeah. for the Red Wings. It's like, how long are you waiting? Well, I mean, just, just looking at it, too. I mean, you brought up Larkin. He's UFA at the end of the year, and they already said that, I guess, whatever Eisman offered him, Larkin and his representation basically laughed it off. So he's probably gone. Bertuzzi's, I think they'll work it out. I don't know. I mean, Bertuzzi's basically out the door. Uh, like, there's just certain people and things here where I'm like, hey, if they do leave, there's a whole bunch of cap space for them. But who's going to go yeah. there? Who's going to go there? If Larkin leaves... The team I I don't know how it would work. It would depend on retirements, but him in Boston. I mean, six one this year on the books. I mean, we'll give him a little. Let's bit say of he does run. seven seven. Seven. I mean, we're gonna have to give pasta probably at least ten, if not eleven. So yeah, it's just. Bergeron's gone, Krejci's gone. Yeah. But we'd, I don't know. we'd probably have to wiggle one more. Well, we do have other things coming off the books, too. Craig, Craig Smith. Smith uh, <laughs> Felino's up. So, yeah, I mean, money will be available this summer. It just all depends on where everyone is. So Yeah. So that's my thing with Detroit. It's like, after a while, man, like, fucking let's go. But... That's all I had. Like I said, a lot of shit happened. We apologize that we're not going to recap every story, every injury the whole year that's happened. But I, moving forward, even if I'm not in the United States of America, I will be on East Coast time, or at the worst, Central time. Yeah, I can live so, with Central time. So, pot, so episodes will be much, much more frequent. Much to dismay a big Kev as the Bruins going to like a one in ten tailspin. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say and then after that is never listening again. If that happens, I'll make sure that if I next time I come up to Boston, I won't give it much advance notice. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah, for your own safety. <laughs> but no, it was good. It's good to be back. Good to be talking to hockey, um, especially as I tried to talk hockey with one person 
uh, as I was waiting for my Greek coffee at a restaurant, the, the guy working behind the counter, I was like, do you watch hockey? He's like, yes. And I was like, the Rangers? And he's like, who's that? I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, he, he's talking about the Yarrow hockey where they have the one skate in the one shoe and it's like a field hockey club. The Jaffa helmets still? <laughs> yeah. Like just, uh, I, I remember watching those. They were playing in Portugal. I'm like, the fuck are they doing? They got one shoe on, like a, a roller skate in a club. I'm like, why not just wear two? I don't know. But I was tempted if I didn't have the pup with me to make a quick weekend trip over to Prague and watch Jager play. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, so that would have been great. Probably would have gotten his autograph at least. I mean, he probably would have slept with you. Add you to the list. <laughs> hey, I'm not a young, attractive Russian girl, so maybe not. I don't know. He'd, he'd put out. <laughs> but no, it's good to be back. We'll be recording much more frequently. It's going to be exciting because we've got the deadline in a couple weeks, and after that's the playoff push and the playoffs again. Rinse, wash, repeat, baby. Yeah, so excited to be back. Well, hey, happy to hear your voice again. Gl- glad we could uh, fire one up for everybody. And uh, next week? Next week. See you then, big boy. Bye-bye. <laughs>